We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? We're talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. E, eh, eh, e, eh, e. Yes. E. Hello. Hi. I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular Beaver, whoosh! Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock. For sci-fi Saturday night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It don't make a duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message you will bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. Uh, it's TalkCast 169, deep in Area 51, going south on sub-level 405, heading towards the Slauson Cutoff. Take a left to cut off your Slauson behind the Book Burning Pavilion for alternative heating and air conditioning next to the Fried Green Tomato Wrap Body Pavilion. I'm the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are some of the usual suspects because we're actually live on Saturday night, which is something we never do. Uh... Never so say anyhow, never. Well, well, never because never is not now, but it's whenever it's ever not ever. In the Revere Time Vortex, violent soundboard vixen, chief architect of all that is technical for us, and queen of unstable petroleum byproducts, Kriana. I'm always here. I'm never there. I'm never ever anywhere. Except in here. Because here's where I'm in. But when I go from here to there... My hair comes with me, everywhere, till there is here, and here's where I've been. <laughs> and if you can tell me where that's from, you can get a cookie. Okay, it's Do going I to... count? Because I totally know. <laughs> and speaking of the person who totally knows, in these personal silent zone of the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, cool, calm, collected, and worn out of a day from chasing bananas and children, it is Zombrarian. Allons-y! <laughs> we are missing uh, the dead redhead tonight because it's Saturday night instead of Thursday night when we would normally be here, and she would normally be saying this, and that's not happening, and well... For various reasons, we did not do our usual Thursday night taping, uh, unfortunately, because uh, um, Hobbits overran Area 51. There were 50-mile-an-hour winds, and the, the large walking trees came walking through, and it was it was just ugly. There was an Entmoot in Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. That was exactly what it was. It's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and in lieu of that, we were supposed to have on Thursday Tracy Hickman with us, and well, because we didn't do a show on Thursday, we were supposed to have Tracy Hickman with us tonight, and we're still hoping that we do, and if we don't, 
We will have Tracy Hickman with us shortly. And it may not be tonight, but I'm not sure. So whatever happens, happens, and whatever doesn't happen, won't happen. As I said before, I'm always here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, I'd like to start off the show with a happy birthday, which we can't sing the song to. Because no, that can't. would be... No, I know. Can, can we all... Okay. What Her like... lawyers tell us that saying happy birthday comes close enough. Ah. So what I'd like everyone in the audience to do is hum into their computers right now as I say the words, Bob Shaw of Comic Art House and Boston Comic Con, happy birthday, Bob. <laughs> okay, no, that's enough. No. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. So anyhow, uh, Bob is turning twenty-five, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is he old enough. enough to drink yet? Uh, we'll find out at Boston. How's that? <laughs> Bob, we owe you a birthday drink. <laughs> or something to that effect. In lieu of that, what's been happening this We don't promise not to spank you, but we're not saying who's going to do it. Okay, we're going to guarantee it's not me. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing that. We're going to give Dome some wine and see what no, happens. No, no, we're guaranteeing <laughs> it's not me. And we're not going back to that bar across from the Heinz. Well, look, look, again. Bob, Bob, you got a, you got a three and four shot here. <laughs> this working out. So, you want to take it? <laughs> I, I was the one who was supposed to be out of it. You guys are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to what happens on a Saturday night. That being the case, what's been going on this week in the world of sci-fi? I'd like to start with one of my favorite television shows, which most people seem to hate, and it surprises Fringe? me not. Oh, wait. No, Neighbors. <laughs> neighbors? Why do most people hate Neighbors. Well, because people thought it was a dumb, stupid idea, and they figured it was only going to last a couple of weeks, but I knew that any TV show that Doug Jones was a part of, for at least the first couple of episodes, was going to be okay, for the most part. And it's been gaining traction and gaining traction and gaining traction, and it's actually getting really, really, not great ratings, but respectable ratings, to the point where George Takei will be joining... For the season finale. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Hey, did everyone see him reading Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> did anyone else have to change their panties after that? <laughs> I think George Takei did. <laughs> well, obviously. Oh my. Oh, oh my. <laughs> it, was, it was quite an interesting article reading about, you know, what Takei has been quite busy since his Star Trek days. Uh, he was in Voyager flashback episodes uh, for the 30th anniversary. He's been voices in uh, Everything. Done voice acting in Batman Beyond, The Simpsons, Scrubs, Hercules, uh, Hawaii Five O, The New Normal, and is also <laughs> uh, finds time to be the stage program announcer for Howard Stern once every couple of months. And he's um, 
a recurring character in Dick Tracy. So yeah, he's, he's been doing guest the round of guest spots. He is like the poster child of gay everywhere. And just um, one hell of an interesting human he's being. The, he's the gay spokesperson. I think he's the official gay spokesperson. I think they said that at the last gay meeting. It, was there a meeting? There, there, oh. there are meetings. We have membership cards. There was an amendment to the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> to make George Takei our official spokesperson. Well, you know, Elton compa- campaigned hard, but George Takei just has more well, Elton John traction has to move what with over. the Facebook. Elton John has to move over. And, uh, and, I, and I think he, it's fine with that. He joins Ellen DeGeneres as the lesbian spokesperson. Elton John is the new lesbian spokesperson? No, Elton John I is was... the old gay spokesperson. Oh, George Takei joins Ellen. Okay. Yes. I was confused. Unless you can think of a more popular lesbian, because I can't. Well. <laughs> On that note. You know, you know, we've kind of backed ourselves into a corner here. There's no place else to go. So Ellen DeGeneres? We're going to take a hard left. Uh, Portia? Hello. No. Emily Vandekamp. Who's that? She plays the lead in uh, the TV series Revenge. Oh. Oh, yeah. She's cute. She's cute. Hello. Yeah. Well, she's been cast as the female lead in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. This may be a film that I watch now. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like the first one very Tell much. Tell me Hugo Weaving is back and the deal is sealed. Actually, uh, they haven't said anything about that yet. But this is the first uh, the first casting news about Captain America Winter Soldier. I have such a crush on Hugo Weaving. It's Except that um, his best buddy is back. Oh, really? Did they yeah. actually announce that? They did actually announce that um, the guy who played his best buddy is back. Bucky He's Barnes. Been in some play where he was half naked on Broadway. Um, <laughs> was there a horse involved? No, it was not Equus. Good. <laughs> it was not Equus. He was only half naked. That's just awkward for everyone. Um, I know several female geeks who are very excited to see Winter Soldier in hopes that he will continue that trend. Because the first uh, Captain America movie was just, in in the grand tradition of Captain America, really bland, except for Hugo Weaving, who is awesome. <laughs> he, he was the bright spot in that turd of a movie. Oh, it was not a turd of a movie. When no. has that not been said of Hugo Weaving? Uh, Lord of the Rings. He was still a bright spot. Of course he was, but it was a good movie. Well, yeah. Speaking of Lord of the Rings... No, wait, not speaking of Lord of the Rings. Anyway. <laughs> wow. No, it's New Zealand, but that doesn't technically count. Speaking of Lord of the Rings... Well, Lord of the Rings was basically... In... Basically, it was a New Zealand tourism video. Right. We know right. that. Yeah. Go so on, Zombie. filmed in New Zealand, and New Zealand continuing its... It's newfound tradition as Land of the Geeks is releasing an official, like, will be in circulation as legitimate currency. There's going to be a Doctor Who coin commemorating the 50th anniversary special. Oh, I so want one of those. Okay, so between this 
and the Lord so of the all Rings of and the Lord of the Rings money and Kim.com lives there. I officially christened New Zealand land of the nerds. That being said, I'm packing my bags. We're moving there. It's warm there. It's nice. You have to be It's in warm the there, but there's mountains. You can actually ski in New Zealand. I didn't hey, know Hey, Kriana. What? Guess who's just bumping? Guess who we just got a text from in our text field? A text from in our text Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to have my texty sounds off so that they don't show up in the recording. No, I know thing. that, which is why I'm telling you. I'm going to bring in our awesome guest, Tracy Hickman. Right now. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Tracy! Well, hello, hello. Was that not like the best greeting you've ever gotten? <laughs> it should be. Well, I've had some good ones, but yes. We were just discussing the news of the week. Oh, what is the news of the week? Well, New Zealand has been officially christened Land of the Nerds. Sweet. I know. Let's move there. I don't know if we want to move there, but I definitely want the Doctor Who coin that they're minting. There so are all of our Kiwis. listeners in New Zealand should send us money. Although, one con, I don't know if you guys heard this. Did anyone else hear that there's one guy in New Zealand who's trying to ban cats? What? Yes, because they're decimating the local bird population. Actually, more than decimating it, they're destroying the bird populations. I believe that would be the the, the proper definition of decimating would be. No. no, decimate means to reduce by one tenth. Thank you, Zombarian. You heard? I, I I need a like little jingle for like Zombarian's word of the day. Sweet. <laughs> Okay, yeah, do get that. That would be cool. <laughs> Rob, if you're listening. If that's the case, can we make up some words then? I think maybe we should do, like, decimate. Yeah. Or dodecimate. We, we can well, that would be attach the, any the, prefix the to Homer it, Simpson. couldn't we? Could we kilomate? If, if you dodecimated, it would be do. wipe out Howard Sim uh, Homer Simpson. No? Yeah, of course it would. Could, could we... I don't know. I don't know either. It's amazing could, that could I've joined the conversation at this point. Reduced by one hundredth? Would would that yeah, even but it be works, a thing? Tracy, it's not a problem. Reduced by one percent. Centimate. That just sounds wrong. Well, it sounds smelly, but that's. Yeah, sounds wrong. Yeah. I made up a word. We could just start verbing. So, so here's somebody who's never going to be on the show. I think we've already discussed that he's never going to be on the show. J.J. Uh, Abrams. Yeah, we pretty much don't like we him. We pretty much have, have, have said enough things about him to the point where he's never going to be on the show. Could we even a, call him our nemesis? At no, this no, 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 no. George R. R. Martin is our yeah, nemesis. George, yeah, he's actually our nemesis. <laughs> and a pirate. Anyway, what's going on with his with, writing with is JJ so terrible? Abrams. Okay, sorry. Continue. Rob Moore, who people may or may not know as vice president of Paramount Pictures, has assured the world because we were so worried about this that JJ Abrams will have more than enough bandwidth to direct Star Wars Episode Seven and to continue to control quote all things Star Trek 
going forward. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I just I, threw up in my mouth a little. I know. And I, and I mean, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, at this point, you know, and, and it's funny because we, we had a little seminar at work the other day about now that J.J. has taken Star Wars, is he going to leave Star Trek? And if he does, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means a lot of good things as far as a number of old Trekkers are concerned. But, you know, it, you know, we came up with the concept that what it could actually mean is that we can ignore these two Trek movies and go back to what Trek is supposed to be. You mean quality? A good film? Yeah, that's exactly Inspiring. what I mean. Inspiring? A, a film that actually bears some resemblance to, to the rest of the Star Trek continuum, which is, you know, would be a nice thing. At least, at the very least, has amusing techno babble. <laughs> hey, Picard was the best when it came to that stuff. He would just rattle Picard off. Didn't these... do it. It was all Crusher. Wesley had the best techno babble. No, it was Picard because he he could sit there with a straight face and just ramble on an entire paragraph that meant nothing. In iambic pentameter, bitches. Oh my god, and make it sound like Shakespeare. It was incredible. <laughs> and then Riker with his piercing blue eyes. Oh, careful. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh, you know, it, it's funny because I don't understand why Hollywood now thinks that if it's science fiction, you've got to f attach J.J. Abrams to it. It yeah, just doesn't make any sense. Wrong. You know. You know what? Just to go back to techno babble for one second. Sure. You know who is never convincing much as I love her? Gates McFadden. Gates McFadden. I was going to say exactly. <laughs> she right. was never convincing. She was horrible at it. She would hold the the uh, the, the medical tricorder like it like it was a hot potato, yeah. and she never you know she never looked comfortable with it. No. And she would stare at that thing above the bed. Because and... that's probably what her lines were written on. I'll add her to the list. It breaks my heart, though. <laughs> I love her so much. She's a... Well, no, I mean, you know, there were there were certain shortcomings with, with virtually everybody in the Trek universe in terms of acting. And the, the only person I really, you know, never had a beef with at any level was Q. <laughs> well, you just got to be a dick. You are yeah. forgetting Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. Yeah, Ugh. she's fantastic. Find me a flaw with that woman because there is none. Start with her none. complexion and end with everything else. <laughs> that, you know, that I actually met John Delancey once. Did really? you? Yeah, I did. I met John Delancey once. Yeah. Was he epic? He was epic. <laughs> He's always he was epic. actually. He was actually. Uh, I I was really impressed with him. Um, it was it was at a um, um, it was at a Star Trek convention, uh, uh, if you could call it that, um, in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh yes, no. Sorry. Oh, the little ones are always the best. <laughs> the little ones are always the best, and this was this was this was pushing it to call it level. Oh dear. I mean, yeah, this was. I, I think it was held like at the fairgrounds in um, what was uh, usually they would uh, judge the largest pig contest I, you know <laughs> something like that 
And I, I and I can remember I was I, I was trying to help out the local station with this thing, and I got very excited and enthusiastic, and so I actually built a bridge simulator for this thing, and um, because I don't like I had anything else to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you got a few, you got a few hours on your hands. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to build bridge consoles. Obviously. So, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Anybody walking down the street would come to that conclusion. <laughs> and, and so, but I went to this thing uh, and uh, with my son, and uh, and John Delancey was the star that was uh, coming to this thing. And um, uh, he was so great with everybody there. And uh, the, sta- the local station wanted him to do a spot, you know, for their, um, uh, for their, news and and a little promo piece and he insisted that all of the kids that had come to see him be in the shot nice yeah gathered them all around you know and to make sure that they were all in the picture when they when they did this thing and you know he delivered it one of the most personable and open and uh and inviting um stars that i've met uh so he was he was just really great I, I just I, I thought the world of him. Oh, that that's so nice. It really is. John Delancey, you know? we know you're listening. Please come on the show. <laughs> yeah, John, you've got an open invite. Absolutely. <sighs> <sighs> I know, but you got me instead. So you know. No, you know we love having you on the show, Trace. Come on, cut it. No, it's good being here. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit late. Going to the party. It's all good. Yeah. We pulled you out of a party to come do the show tonight? No, this is the party. Ah, obviously. I was confused. Or drunk, take your pick. Uh, (laughs) Kriana. Yes. Is there going to be a Justice League movie or not? Well, that depends. On what? On Man of Steel. (laughs) Not sucking. You can't even get through it without laughing. I can't, because it's going to be terrible. And then they're going to cancel the Justice League movie and then all of DC is basically going to commit suicide because Avengers 2 is going to come out yeah <laughs> and then shawarma after oh good lord hey hey don't, don't go messing with the JLA seriously oh, DC oh well, DC we're actually not the ones that are messing with it the, the thing that's that's happened is that DC is really uh, gone to bed with Warner Brothers to make this thing work and Warner Brothers has pretty much said, if the Man of Steel movie that you pushed on us doesn't work. Screw you guys, we're going no, home. We're, we're taking our football and going home with it. Hmm. I have a feeling they're going to Lucy that football. Yeah, huh? <laughs> they are. Cause, it amuses me to think of DC as Charlie Brown. Because Superman, <laughs> really? Really? I mean, really, when was the last time there was a good Superman movie? When was there ever a good Superman Very first one. (laughs) When was that? Very, very first one with Christopher Reeve. 1930. Well, no, but to be fair, I think that was half of a good movie. (laughs) It was as close as it ever came to a good movie in the Superman series. Here's my question. As a superhero, does anyone really like Superman? Not really. Well, all right, Tracy, silence. wait a minute, Tracy, let, let, let's throw that one to you. All right. How how personable, how likable, how careable can a superhero be that is, quote, 
indestructible. Well, they can't. I mean, uh, let's uh, let's be let's be realistic. Yeah, let's be realistic about Superman. (laughs) God, I love writers. Go on. (laughs) Well, let's be realistic about this. Um, (laughs) Look, there is, okay, there's the reason that there is kryptonite is because of Superman. I mean, kryptonite, this incredibly rare element, this element that you know is is uh, is is cannot cannot be had. One uh, is led to believe, and and yet exists in uh, about you know forty different flavors, and pretty much any terrorist can buy it at the local Seven Eleven. It's <laughs> it's <laughs> if you need to have the crypto, it's 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 available to you. I think you can buy it on Amazon. I'm certain you can get it on eBay, and. The reason that it, that this incredibly rare element is so easily obtainable is because without kryptonite, Superman is super boring. There's there, there's no pathos in someone who is indestructible. There's no suspense. Uh, he's gonna win. He's indestructible. He's gonna win. He's gonna win. I mean, and, there's there's and, pretty much no suspense anyway because I, I, you know, I, and and so and so we like yeah, tend to concern ourselves with his private life and 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 how how badly it sucks for him dating when he's perfect. I it, it's <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just uh, there's no interest in a character that's that uh, there, there really isn't anywhere you can go with a character that is perfect. And I was reading an article about this earlier today because, you know, I, again, you know, I because because you're really tra- your legendary author Tracy Hickman, obviously. Yeah, because and that's what I do. And I was reading this article about how bad Superman is as a character because because over the years, you know, they've piled on additional. Capabilities and and uh, you know whenever they needed him to have a superpower, all of a sudden he had it like he didn't have it yesterday, but now he's got it. And originally, Superman uh, literally would leap tall buildings in a single bound, but that was it. You know he could jump really far because he was really strong, uh, and eventually that evolved into flying, and somehow he acquired this like anti gravity capability and the ability to fly through the air as opposed to just jump. You know, and so then you have like, okay, well, then you got the heat vision coming to that. Okay, that's fine. I got that. And then you blow. Okay, then all of a sudden uh, he can he can turn back time by flying around real quick. And X-ray and, vision, right? Doesn't he have X-ray and vision? X-ray vision, you know, which all of us, of course, because uh, they sold those glasses in the comic books, and so you know they had to promote it somehow. Nicely and, done, I might add. I bought yeah. them. <laughs> Did so, you really? So, Oh, I absolutely did. Are you kidding? I was a child of the 60s. We all bought them. Aww. It was like 99 cents on the back of DC Comics. And you waited 68 weeks for your x-ray specs? That Can never did jack, but that's another story. Couldn't see under yeah. ladies' clothes? I absolutely couldn't. Didn't stop well, me from trying. Well, that's why I bought them, but that's another story, too. <laughs> oh, it kills me. Actually, you know what? This, this sort of relates back to... What Dome and I were, were talking about uh, before the show. Tracy, have you seen Arrow at all? The TV series? I have not, no. All right, well, no no one's seen it but Dead Redhead, and she's not here. But very quickly, what I what I noticed about the show is I, I'm astute enough to know to Google any name that sort of comes up. And the names of all the main characters, of course, are all people who showed up in the comic books. But 
as I'm looking at the relationship to Green Arrow in the comic books and the relationship to Green Arrow in the television series, I'm like, thank God they got writers. <laughs> like, did they just have no writers? Because there, it was like, oh, this this Merlin guy, yeah, he just kind of, he, he's a bad guy. So he shows up and then he beats on him and then he goes away for a while and then he shows back up and he beats on him and he goes away for a while. In in Arrow, there's a plausible reason why he's in this person's life. You know, your enemies don't just, like, randomly show up and are bad guys. They're all around you. They're, they're a part of the fabric of the society. They're part of the reason that this city is suffering so much. And it makes a lot, A, a lot more sense. B, it makes you care a lot more because of how it's interwoven. And in, in some senses, you're not necessarily omnipotent, but you know more than the character knows, so you know who this mysterious other archer is, and you know it's John Barrowman, and you care because you know it's his best friend's dad. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, great. I know. Yeah, it kind of ruined the whole series now. Yeah, okay. But it's John Barrowman, and he's so nasty, and it's great. And, and it just, it makes it so much more A, believable, be entertaining and see you don't sit down and go what the hell because i well and that's that's because it's a that's because it's that's because it's better storytelling in this and and uh and good story reaches us internally or or any storytelling well any storytelling true it it just seems like you know they were like oh he needs a sidekick here uh we'll call him speedy but in the television series speedy's his nickname for his sister it's sort of an agglomeration of both of the canonical speedies but you know it it makes so much more sense that instead of being this random sidekick who sort of hangs around for no apparent reason it's... well and originally i mean you have this this kind of evolution happens quite a bit and i think a certain amount of retcon has to take place to make that work i, I mean i've i'm i've been uh, I've been looking at doing these uh, two more Batman novels, and um, uh, and I wanted to I wanted to introduce more of the characters into the second two books. I wanted to I definitely wanted to get into um, the Robin character, and I wanted to get into um, um, uh, 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 the Batgirl character, Mishner's daughter. Yeah, and. And those, you know, I mean, those are two characters that really need to be talked about and, t- and touched on. But, but originally, you know, Robin has been always really problematic for people because he was brought in um, originally very much like this. He, he was, oh, we need somebody young yeah. here with Batman. We need a sidekick. You know, you know, you know, we need Bucky sidekick here who's going to. Um, oh, uh, yeah, we've already trashed Captain America. Don't go with Bucky on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what my my problem with it is is that at least with batman at least they attempted to make some sense out of it what i went looking for well not from the beginning they did well okay the, but but they, they at least it after the tried. but with green arrow since it's a second string character they never even tried there is just no trick. What I went back to look for, I was like, wow, the backstory for this character is, is kind of compelling. And I was like, I wonder if they made this up or if it was actually part of Green Arrow. I don't think I ever actually figured it out. But I, I'm 
reasonably certain that they just made it up. This isn't even retconning. This is actually just saying, we're just going to redo this. Basically, the only similarities are the name, he has a bow, and he wears a green suit. And then you've got, I can see all of this now. The scene's perfectly set up in my head. You've got Arrow here with with a bunch of other B-class superhero characters all together in a support group. And and Arrow's saying to these guys, you know, I don't know how I can continue on here. I don't know what my motivation is. I don't know my backstory. (laughs) You know, and and they won't give me one. I said, well, you you know, you got to move it up here. You get a television series, you're going to get some background here and some pathos. But until then, guy, you know, shoot your arrow and just be happy for the work. And and I think they did a and they haven't revealed everything about his backstory. That's that's kind of nice, actually, as they keep giving you more insight into what he went through um, to become what he is. But the first couple episodes, I went, so this is Batman with a bow. And then, of course, I looked up Green Arrow, having never read the comics. I looked him up online, and they, this character was heavily based on Batman, but it was in response to a character of Marvel's that had archery skills. I forget which one. It's not important. I know, and it's sad, really, when you get to that point and you realize that this was all really a plot. Yeah, this was Batman with a bow. Okay! At least we got it out there in the open. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But, you know, the thing is, I I wasn't even ready to give him a chance, you know, just based on the two decades of Smallville. Or if it wasn't two decades, it sure as hell felt like it. And, I mean, it was just, Smallville just became intolerable tripe. You know what I feel like, and and God help me if I'm wrong, I feel like this is what the cape could have been. You may be right. I mean, I, I honestly haven't given it a chance, so I'm actually probably going to go back and do, do a catch-up on my DVR. I, I adored the cape, and the cape was a bit wittier. I, I'm not going to lie. The cape was... The a, Carnival of Crime? Come on. I, I loved that shit. Come on. It, okay, <laughs> so the cape was maybe slightly campier. Yeah, yeah. But wittier. But Arrow is more, you know, it's on, it's on what, the CW? Yeah, it's on yep. the CW. It's on the CW. So is Vampire Diaries. Oh, my God. There is no mistaking that this is a CW show. Um, That being said, I think that the ratings are going to be much better because I think it has much better appeal and that they've taken this Green Arrow character and said, we're not even going to retcon this. We're going to redo this. We're going to keep the broad strokes of most of the characters. Just very broad. Merlin, still an archer who wears a black suit. You know, we're going to turn him into his best friend's dad. Okay. Now he has a reason to be in our city instead of just randomly showing up. You know, Laurel Lance, okay, ex-girlfriend, there you go. And then they, the casting also, I have to mention, is very, very good. John Barrowman, hello. Okay. No, I mean, you know, you know it's, it's certainly worth giving it a chance. But I mean, you know, has there ever been a good Superman movie? No. Which is where we started. Sorry, Justice League. And, you know, if this goes the way of all flesh, you know, I mean, DC is doing some really stupid things with Superman right now. And uh, having the whole movie, DC movie franchise kind of teeter on how this goes 
does not bode well. Yeah, so you know why girls never used to be into comics? Because comics used to have writing like that. <laughs> and every girl went, this is moronic. <laughs> and then they put it down. It's a wonder they Oh, did you see that movie. wonderful episode in, uh, uh, of um, Big Bang Theory? Where the girls, all the guys went out to a convention. This was a few weeks and back. And the girls go into the comic book and shop. And the girls go into the comic book oh shop. Oh my God, yes. No, I, I haven't seen it. What, what did they do? Well, that's awesome. Well, first of all, they go into the comic book shop, which shocks and stuns all of the comic book boys into submission. But that's a different story. Well, that's they go normal. in and that's normal. They go in and they decide that they're going to find out something. They're going to try and connect with their men by by learning about comic books, right? Okay. And so they get Stuart to recommend some comic books to him, and they take the comic books home and they they read through the comic books and they start talking about how moronic these comic books are and how these people are doing unbelievable and stupid things, and 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 they say, well, maybe we've missed something. They reread the comic books, and by the time they get through the second time through, they are arguing about the same thing that the boys are arguing about. Which comic book character can do what with what other comic book character? And how come they can have this power and this guy can't have that power? And I mean, so wasn't it, there something like if Thor is holding his hammer, could someone pick Thor up? Could someone pick <laughs> Thor up holding the hammer? Yeah. As and, long as Thor is the one holding it. That's yeah. a good question. I know, isn't it? Well, it was full of these really great questions, but by the time the guys got home from their ill-fated journey to a Barstow convention or wherever it was, uh, they open up the door and the women are just hammer and tong about this Thor's hammer and whether he, he could pick it up and why, and they just close the door and leave. <laughs> yeah, they're smart. <laughs> That's really funny. That's Actually, my biggest, I, I, if I had a criticism about comic books, I used to have a lot of crit critique about comic books, but if I had a big criticism about comic books, it was that um, uh, all of the problems seem to be dealt with um, uh, uh, more like junior high school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that. And that, and that everybody's relationships always seem to be at a junior high school level, and maybe that's partly because so much of what comic books deal, that comic books deal with, especially in the terms of the superhero kinds of comics, yeah, is that transitional angst um, uh, uh, of trying trying to understand your place in the world and feeling suddenly powerless in it. Um, but everybody's relationships seem to be rooted in junior high school or, or sophomore high and and their problem solving always seems to be about that level. I think, um, I yeah. think they also need a couple of lessons in world building in some cases. Well, sure. <laughs> I think if you're at my place, I'd be happy to help them out with that. It's, uh... <laughs> well, I think you're doing your part here with Wayne of Gotham. Well, Can I... I just say something about Wayne of Gotham, seriously? For just please. A second. Go ahead. No, please, go ahead. Okay, um... I loved it. Oh. Oh, I mean, I thought you, the one thing that I was never prepared for was the characters of, of uh, Alfred. I was hmm. not prepared for what you did, and my God, it was just amazing. Wow, thank you very much. 
And, and, and we're not just saying that. If we didn't like it, we just wouldn't have you on the show or ever talk about it again. <laughs> no, see, I mean, not tell me to my face because I know you guys. You do that. We, we, yeah, we, we've done that before. We've actually, yeah, we we've gone to people and gone. Yeah, it was really cool, except for this. Yeah, we and, we just can't have you on to talk about this because we just we can't. We, <laughs> you, you know, not not for nothing. It's our policy. Here there was Center. one time where we got sent a review copy of a book and we passed the book around between three of us and then sent the book back. Wow. This has happened. Yeah, we've actually done that because there was nothing good we could say about it and we just didn't want to have it in our possession. <laughs> hey, we like to keep our journalistic integrity unlike CNET. <laughs> you see what I did there? Well, I do see what you did there. Where are you taking that, Kriana? I don't know where I was. I'm just dropping it. Uh -huh. You can Google it if you're interested. Oh, good lord. Well, what was it about Wayne of Gotham you like? Um, I'm going to just go ahead and ask because, you know, I'm cool. going to stroke Well, well wait, before we get into Wayne of Gotham, uh, what was this week's poll, Dome? Oh, okay. Do you want to do this week's? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I've totally lost track of time. It happens when we talk to legendary author Tracy Hickman. Yeah, it does actually. Oh shit! <laughs> Hold on, I, I've I've lost my place. God damn it! Mm. Okay, this week's. Thanks, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, meanwhile she's highlighting it for me. Don't highlight for me. This I'm week's not highlighting poll. it for you. I'm highlighting it for me. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange and Ant Man will be getting cinematic treatment within the next year or so. Why? What is Marvel superhero? that you think should get their own show. Oh, I don't no. know any Marvel superheroes. Whatever. Well, uh, a number of people did, and one, one of the more interesting people was uh, one of our friends, William Johnson, who nominated about 17 different people for us. <laughs> Thank you, William Johnson. I like, thought he was a superhero for a minute, so I dub you the superhero of knowing Marvel superheroes. Good for you. Coming in in third place was a four-way, yeah, a four-way <laughs> tie for third. Wow, okay. Go for it. Four Bushman. Okay. And we can thank Illustrator X for that one. Of course we can. Miss Marvel. Why not? The Inhumans. And my personal favorite, She-Hulk. She-Hulk, yeah. <laughs> All right. And Tracy, can I just suggest there's a She-Hulk book waiting to be written by somebody. Oh, for God's sake. She-Hulk. Yeah. I've written it down. Awesome. Oh, I like this man. Tied for second place uh -huh. is the Black Panther and God help us all, Squirrel Girl. I think there's some good girl. innuendos you could go with the black panties. I mean, panther. Panther, panther, panther. <laughs> Coming in in, a, in first place is Jessica Jones. Who the hell is that? So anybody who doesn't know, who knows who Jessica Jones is, send Kriana an email on it. I just found out who the purple man was, and his name is actually the purple man. The so... purple man. That's his name. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. It Talk wasn't... about not even trying. <laughs> Guys, writers of comic books everywhere, put 
on your try harder hats. Seriously. <laughs> God. It's kind of scary sometimes how easy they make it, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, Purple Man. It's, well, okay. you know, it's kind of like Cancer Guy on the X Files. <laughs> I never got it's that the... far into the X Files, it was yeah, just well, too painful. It was fun. Jillian Anderson's 90s attire was just too too much for me. If Jillian Anderson ever talking without a script, it's always a bad idea. Oh, my God. And David Duchovny. Ever. <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, Tracy, we were talking about Wayne Wayne of Gotham. Gotham and what Dome liked about it. Go. Uh, first, oh. the pace of it was amazing. I mean, it was one of those, it moves so quickly, you keep going back and going... Because it was so, uh, God, what is it? It was so well put together and well filled out that you're going, oh, yeah, you said that back then, and now this. And uh, I just, your characterizations uh, were spot on, moving back and forth in time the way you did between the three different generations of the Waynes was amazing. But Alfred, Alfred was really the key to this whole book, and it was just wonderful. So really, Dom, tell us how you feel. I I kind of liked it. Let me see. <laughs> I had more fun working on that book than about anything else I've done in the last decade. And you know what? It felt like it. It felt like one of those books where you could, you knew that the author was really invested in it. Well, and, and and it was kind of a tightrope too at the same time because I, I I mean everybody has a Batman. And everybody's Batman is a little bit different. It's true. And uh, so, you know, uh, putting putting uh, this vision of Batman on paper was a little bit daunting from the standpoint that I didn't know how well that had meshed with everybody else's, and how they'd feel about it when when we came uh, when we came through it. And um, you know, ultimately, I think you have to just say, well, you know, this is this is how you see it, and and hopefully everybody's going to come along for the ride and enjoy it. But did you really, really do that much to Batman to to make it your own, or or was it really more? We all know who Batman is, but we don't really know why he is. We think it all begins in the alley of that movie theater, and you were here to tell them that it didn't, and why it didn't. Well, it's, and that's true. And everybody does seem to think that they know where it, where it all starts. But in fact, that's kind of where it ends. Right. I mean, exactly. Uh, yeah. His uh, Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne's um, um, development, in many ways, at least in my mind, ends in that alley. Uh, all of the issues that he that that most of us have to resolve of of how we relate to our parents and 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 how we how how we forgive our parents or confront our parents for being mortal. All of those things were robbed from him in that alley. And so he never gets to confront that as part of what drives him. It's part of why he's um, such a kind of a, uh, such a um, unbalanced individual. And that's, and that's the one part. See, and that's why who Batman is hasn't really changed in your book. Mm -hmm. Because you've taken the Batman that we know, that we enjoy, that we see as this 
incredibly unbalanced character. And you do the one thing that nobody's ever really done, and that is answer the question, why? Or at least begin to dissect the question, why? Wow, that's great. It, what's, what's so exciting for me to hear about hearing that is that's exactly what I was trying to achieve in the book. Wow. And, and if, that's, if that's what came through, then, wow, I feel like I've actually managed to do what I had hoped. But my question to you is, it can't stop now because you've opened up an entire area of, of the mythology and the, the you've really widened out the family tree in a number of ways, not just in the, the, the Bruce Wayne, but also in Alfred Pennyworth. Oh my, <laughs> what you did there was, was nothing short of amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks. And, and this is why I want to do these two more books. Um, uh, uh, I've got proposals in uh, right now for um, uh, uh, for uh, a book uh, that I've got titled um, Sons of Gotham um, and then um, Daughters of Gotham. And we've uh -huh. actually got both of those both of those in uh, in right now at DC uh, being considered. And from what I understand from my agent, it's uh, it's moving forward. It's just that the wheels turn slowly over at Warner Brothers. But I want to I want to be able to I want to be able to extend this story into these other two books and and to deal with um, uh, some of the ideas that were generated in the first book and extend those ideas to um, to the uh, to the Robin character. And, and or Robin's characters, um, and uh, as well as bring Barbara Gordon into this and, and what has happened with her. Um, I, and also, you know, I haven't actually said this anyplace else, so I might as well say it to you guys because I always like to give you guys juicy stuff. Okay. Uh, um, uh, there's a line uh, that I get more email and more mail and more questions on in... in uh, um, in Wayne of Gotham than just about anything else. People keep asking me in, in uh, Thomas Wayne's um, recorded um, recollections in his, oh. in, in, in his, uh, his confession, his recorded confessions. It, it refers to the fact that he's recording this to his sons. And people keep asking me if that's a typo. Um, and it's not, it's, that's, that's always been part of the mythology for me. Um, and so these, this, uh, second book in particular, uh, Sons of Gotham, um, deals with the other, the other Wayne child, um, and, and how that actually becomes all involved in, uh, and extends from the first book. So I'd really love to write this book, it's, uh, or both of these books, actually, um, because uh, I'd like very much to examine the idea of uh, of uh, Robin's roots in more, in I think a stronger way than was originally intended for the character, and and certainly Barbara Gordon, who I think is um, a fascinating character that deserves um, a lot uh, a lot stronger examination. Than, 
then I yeah, think Barbara Gordon's uh, always gotten short shrift, hasn't she? In, in terms of, you know, uh, who should be a much more important character than she's actually ever become. Yeah, I think so, especially given, uh, especially given the um, relationship that she has to um, uh, the Dick Grayson character. I love Robin. He's my favorite. I really want you to write this book, Tracy. How about this? How about this? You can write it. And then if you don't get the contract, just give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Does that work for yeah. you? Yeah, I think that works for me. Okay, awesome. And you may have to change a few names, you know. Um, well, uh, as to... long as you don't publish it, no one has to know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just send you the manuscript yeah, then. Exactly. That's like those pages that I had to change and, and get rid of Zorro from. Exactly. The Lost Batman Manuscripts. <laughs> and then 75 yeah. million years from now, my grandchildren's children, when Batman is in the public domain. <laughs> Can't say that one with a straight face. They'll sell it for a million dollars. Sweet. Yeah. And that will be very meaningful to me, I'm sure, by then. Yes. Well, me yeah. too. <laughs> No, I'd really love to write these books, and, and especially because Batman and the Batman um, and the Batman universe uh, at least uh, uh, makes uh, is such a wonderful, rich field for. Seriously, exactly. we should start like an Indiegogo just so you can do this. Sweet, yeah, yeah. I, I like I say, I'll let you know just as soon as I hear back from them. I'd like it to be sooner than rather than later. We should start like a petition. Start. Let's start a petition. We, we should. I'm telling you, uh, this. You know, there there are very few uh, books that extend the characters' range beyond the the comic book mythos. Usually, it's just uh, yeah, we're redoing it this way, or yeah, we're doing a graphic novel, or yeah, I'm writing the story based on that comic that comic arc. Uh, but I mean, to, to the the biggest problem I always have with comic book characters and novelizations is that they don't tell you anything new. Hmm. And this book not only tells me amazing stories of of Batman's early family uh, the degeneration of Gotham City how and why it occurred I mean you go into such wonderful detail there about how it was once this beautiful city and how it lost itself mm -hmm. it became this dark wasteland that, that Bruce Wayne now inhabits and this enduring mysterious English butler I, I can't get over that one enough because hmm. to me Alfred Alfred's character and I'm pretty sure that's how you meant it to be is the kind of like mystical glue that holds this this whole story together yeah and ultimately becomes the catalyst for um, for Bruce having to confront um, him both the memory of his father and himself Right, his past and, and what what may become of his future. Yeah, very much so. 
Yeah, I, in case you couldn't tell, I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just thought of something awesome, and can can one of you guys please tell me if this exists, or, or Zombrarian, if you know? Um, wouldn't this be cool? I don't know about you guys, but I have a bunch of series that I have read, and they're, like, still ongoing, and... I just, I have no good way of knowing when another book comes out, because what I'll do is, like, say it's an 11 book series, I'll get all 11 books, I'll read them through, and then um, I'll get hooked on another series, and I won't touch that series again for maybe a couple of years, and then I'll be like, oh, well, three more books just came out, and I have no clue what just happened in this series, because I haven't read it in three years, but... I would really love a way to know when another book has A, been announced, B, the projected release date, and C, get like a little reminder, like, oh, hey, this is coming out today. FYI, hmm. you want to follow the series. I wish there was a way to follow the series or an author and, and just like get... You know, you know, I had the same problem with Believe It or Not, and I'm almost embarrassed to, to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read the Nikki Heat books. Oh, why are you embarrassed? Uh, I really love the Richard Castle series. Dear Castle, uh-huh. you rock. <laughs> and we we have not only well here's here's the worst part. We have not only the books, but the audio books, and we pass them around at work. Nice. <laughs> So, so you know who I think should be the the person to implement this? If, if who no, should be? Goodreads. And, and you know, Tracy, this is something that I wanted to bring up to you uh, based on our conversation the other day about promoting yourself. As I noticed that you have a lot of stuff on Goodreads, but you are not yet a Goodreads author. And that is how I get all my recommendations personally. Almost all of them, anyway. Their recommendation engine is fantastic. It kind of is. And they're getting really, really popular with librarians, and they already have a mechanism in there to sort out series, and this is a part of this series, and it's number 0.5, because it's a prequel, and they have great data, and I bet it would be almost trivial for them to implement a reminder system for following a series, and this is coming out, because there are ways to put when a book is announced, it can get added in there that this is going to come out on such and such a day. So. Yeah, but you definitely should be in that database as an author as well, Trace. He is. How come I'm not? No, 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 he is. Oh, okay. You don't have to be a Goodreads author to be in Goodreads. However, you know what, Tracy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you right now, and I'm going to send you your URL. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm going to make you claim your page. Awesome. Because I think that you should, because, you know, they, they have your blog all hooked in here already. Mm-hmm. And view more on Tracy Hickman's website. You have 3,820 reviews on here. You have 631 fans on here, and you're not even interacting with them. Poor fans. <laughs> Poor me for not interacting with them. And I try to be so interactive. All right. This, no. this is your personal URL. I'm sending it through Skype right now to confirm that you are Tracy Hickman. Why, yes, I am. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. And, you and know. then if you, if you want to see your page, here it is. Here's the way it looks at the moment. You can just see all this interaction that you could be having. 
There's there's all sorts wow, of Wow, what is the matter with me? There's all sorts of I don't of know what's the matter with me. Look at this. You. There's strange picture of me. It's terrible. And, and you can change that. I hope so. It says Is this you? Let us know. Become a fan. Wait a minute. That's probably the wrong button. No, you don't want to become a fan. You want to do the is this no. you button. There. I push the is this you link and it says join the Goodreads author program. Are you Tracy Hickman, author of the books below? <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's happening here first. You know, I'm going to send this, this I'm going to send the URL to this podcast to Goodreads when I request the series feature so that they can see we mean we mean serious business. We like Goodreads here at Sci-Fi Saturday Absolutely Night. Absolutely we do. We like them. Zombrarian. Well, I'm typing here. It says, to apply, please include a message to us. I should probably say something nice. (laughs) I am indeed Tracy Hickman, the author of these books. I wrote them for sure. And if you go to this podcast, you can hear me responding to it live. Yes. Live on the I air am. right now. Tracy Hickman becoming a Goodreads author. You heard it I here look first. Forward to becoming a Goodreads author program author. Now I better not say that because that really looks like bad English. <laughs> Tracy, that can't be Tracy Hickman. He has good uh, English. I don't know. Some of my early works he could well be. <laughs> No, but seriously, 631 fans. That's a pretty decent fan base for you not even interacting on there. Well, that's quite true. It is. And especially because we've got so many crazy things going on this year. It's Built in. It's in there. You did no work for this. 32 people <laughs> like your page on Facebook. I actually did do some work for this, Triana. It's like 30 years worth of writing. But beyond that. Well, no, this I'm just, saying like you you didn't you didn't have to do any promotional work to get these. these you people. just had to send me the link so I, know. I knew what to do. I know you had, you had to have really awesome friends. That's all. That's all. And and we like to be your really awesome friends. Yeah. I appreciate that because I could really use some. <laughs> yeah. You've you've got yeah, a bunch so, of them right here on the show. Hey, I hear these Dragonlance books might be kind of cool to check out. They said they will review my profile and enable my author profile as soon as we can. Sweet. There you go. You heard it here first. Tracy Hickman. Look, my blog posts and everything. Wow, cool. They've got your stuff all hooked in. Yeah. It says, next one, it says, Tracy Hickman isn't a Goodreads author yet. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Blog. So here are some recent posts imported from his feed. That's right. It was almost, you know, like, yet. It was inevitable. And now you've made it happen. We have. We have. This is this so, is an important thing. And, uh, you know, you can friend me on Goodreads, and then I'll be like, yeah, I know legendary author Tracy Hickman. Yeah, we are so tight. It's so true. Totally, totally. Guess what my username yeah. is? Kriana. Good guess! Yes! Oh. Yeah, you could also friend me, too, and I could tell you what my name is there, but you probably know that, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> so can we talk for a minute about... There's a lot in here. Yeah. Hey, the reviews for Reign of Gotham were... I'm not so bad. 
See, and that's the thing. You know, this, maybe that's one of the things that I have trouble with going on to these going on to these websites. This is one of the problems with the with the internet in general, is that is that the review system is so wonky. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it reminds me. I, every time I think about reviews on Amazon, you know, and, or or reviews, um, or, or for that matter, on Goodreads too. Oh, great! They're going to listen to the podcast now because I probably put it on there. No, okay, fine. But <laughs> but the 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 thing that concerns me, you know, you get one guy who comes on, um, and I had this. I actually had this with Wayne of Gotham. Somebody came on and reviewed Wayne of Gotham and said that it's it sucked because the price was too high. Okay. <laughs> and it gave the book like a one star rating because it was priced too high. That is probably not a valid critique. Well, you know, it may have less weight than say someone who had actually, I don't know, read, read the, book. the book. There you yeah. go. And it reminds me. It reminds me of what's uh, I, I saw an Onion article. Um, I, actually, I think now that I think about it, it, was I think it was in Our Dumb Century. <laughs> and, and if I could, and if I could find it, because of course you know uh, I always keep it right at hand. No, I don't. But hang, hang on just a second, because I love this title so much. I'm sorry, I had to. I was. It wasn't right at my hand. Anyway, no. It, I just. I love this title so much because it. Um, excuse me. It, you know, it sometimes it's hard when you look through a history book like our dumb century to actually find what you're looking for. But. Uh, it also would help now that I think about it if I if I don't know I had like glasses. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying though. Like half the time on Amazon reviews, you're like, why does this have you know one star? And it's because they had problems shipping something, which the person selling the item has literally no control over. A lot of times, your reviews that you get on the web go one of two ways. They're either honest fan assessments or somebody who has an issue or someone okay. is butthurt here's the title of the article uneducated forklift driver to address nation on Rush Limbaugh radio show <laughs> <laughs> yeah a schedule for 111 to 114 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nation eagerly awaits Ohio man's profound insight into current events. We, we one of the things that that we have lost in in our in, in our society in, in this rush for everyone to start speaking, uh, like as we often do on the internet, uh, is uh, is the idea that anybody has any anybody's opinion has any weight. We, we're very ecumenical about all of that. Everybody's opinion is has equal value, and so you know whether you whether you study literature or just read a lot, 
doesn't seem to make a difference in terms of a review. Well, I think that we all know that people who studied literature's opinions count less than most. <laughs> well, yeah, <I laughs> Thank you, Kriana. Thank you so it's much. True. Come on. <laughs> we all know where a degree in English gets you. Uh, we've had a big argument actually in this uh, online not not uh, uh, too long ago. I I rather took the position that um, uh, someone had someone had asked the question actually whether they should why they should study um, literature and, and why they should and why they should concern themselves with um, the mechanics of the craft of writing. Um, rather than uh, rather than write something that was commercially um, more viable, say like Twilight. Oi! Wow. <laughs> you know, and then on the one hand, you, you and you had it was very polarizing in a lot of ways. You know, some people some people took the position that that if it is commercially successful, then it is it is de facto a success. No, oh, I and, think history has shown that that is not true. Well, and yet those are the ones that we seem to praise. Now, uh, but history, not so much. Yeah, I mean, pop culture and history are two different things. There's there's an enduring quality to a classic that a lot of this stuff just doesn't happen with. Uh, in, in 25 or 30 years, people will still remember Citizen Kane. They won't remember <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> Breaking Dawn. Uh, yeah, they will create it. It's okay. Already. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, I think that, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, when I watch Casablanca, it still surprises me in, oh, yeah, in absolutely. beautiful nuance in the, in the language. And I think, oh man, I wish I could write dialogue like the Epstein's. And it's true. I do. I wish I could write dialogue that, that was that beautiful and well nuanced and full of subtext um, you know I and, and, and so you know Casablanca is going to be around The Wizard of Oz is going to be around um, Breaking Dawn Part 2 not, not so gonna much not going to be around so don't even worry about it you know <laughs> if that's what you want to do is write drivel that'll have its five minutes in the spotlight and then fade away gently into the good night um Fine. Go ahead. That's your yeah. prerogative. But, it's no better or no worse than anyone else's decision. But if you want to write beautifully nuanced dialogue and deep, you know, empathetic characters, that's also a good choice. Or you want to take great characters that are part of a comic book tradition and give them new life and, and more substance and nuance than anybody ever thought of? Do that, Tracy. That works. Okay, don't. It, it's starting to get a little romantic. <laughs> Only because I, I want to take a, a, a slight right turn at this point so that uh -oh. we can at least talk for a few minutes about Dragons of the Confederacy. Oh, yes, please. Please tell us all about it, everything, everything you know already. <laughs> please. Dragons of the Confederacy, I'm so excited about this. We Me have, too. It's... Um, it's interesting, actually. We've we're we're uh, we're currently we currently have it out in front of a number of uh, publishers, and hopefully we'll have something, um, uh, something that'll 
uh, a break on that fairly soon. If not, we'll be prepared to do it on our own. But uh, it's, uh, um, I don't want to go into that. Um, we actually had it. We had actually had an offer from Amazon um, on the series since they're starting to get into publishing. Um, but uh, the the deal didn't work out because it just didn't work out. Anyway, the Dragons of the Confederacy uh, actually stemmed from an idea that I wanted to do um, uh, that I may have mentioned before, which was called the Lakota Dragons War. Um, which dealt with dragons uh, uh, feeding off of buffalo in the plains and being uh, tamed by the Lakota Indians, and the uh, uh, and the Western migration then taking place not in trains but in airships. Cool. Um, and we, this was a series that I had wanted to do called the Lakota Dragons War. Um, but I was talking with a friend of mine who's uh, another author here by the name of Dan Willis and Dan said well you know I kind of wanted to do this civil war thing that had similar elements so the more we got talking about it the more we realized that that the book that he wanted to write was really a, a prequel a precursor to the Western migration series that I wanted to do and so uh, the more we talked the more we we loved the idea of, of combining those things and go ahead and examining that past um, and so um, and, and so we have we've, uh, and have built this amazing amazing universe where where we have a um, this uh, the the book opens now with a, a battle at sharps and not uh, I'm trying to remember where the battle was set. The lines actually have, are further north in our um, uh, when we come into the when we come into the war here. I'm going to look at the document actually. I'm going to actually look at the manuscript and see. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yay! And this is a this is our preliminary manuscript. This is our, our first draft, and so I'm actually in the process of of. Uh, reworking this but um oh let's see oh here it is yeah the the book the series is called uh dragons of the confederacy the first book um um is uh called lincoln's wizard actually and um oh yeah and the first chapter takes place in parkersburg um and there's this this huge battle uh, at the bend of the Ohio River there at Parkersburg and our uh, hero is uh, in a, uh, a monitor coming around the bend in at uh, Parkersburg and he's chugging around there and it's and and he doesn't he it was actually not supposed to be in combat he was he's an engineer who had built this monitor and um, was delivering it but the uh, southern lines had uh, had surged across the river, and and he was the only thing that that was there to stop them, other than uh, other than the Union forces on the northern side. And so he comes around the bend in this river, and uh, with with his crew, and not really a warrior at all. Um, 
And um, uh, as they come around the bend and they can see the, the huh. yeah, oh, I love that part. Excuse me, I'm really kind of enjoying my own book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do you torture us? So that's a good sign. But he comes around the bend of the river, and as he comes around the bend of the river, type monitor that he has actually is a walker. It, it rises up out of the river on the three legs and towers over the battlefield, this huge steampunk um, uh, walking gun platform. Um, and he's, and he's about to open up on the, and he opens up on the Confederate lines which are comprised mostly of what they call the greys, um, uh, who are actually reanimated dead. Yucky. The, uh, yeah, the South has developed this, this, their, this particular technology, which allows them to go into the battlefield after the battle has been finished, drag back the dead, and then reanimate them. I knew they did that. I knew it. And so we have uh, we have these uh, these reanimated dead who are all organized um, by the battles in which they fought. Because now that they're dead, all they can do is refight the battle that they fought before. Interesting. So they're sent into the field uh, tactically according to the battle that they were in. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. And so the Union, on the Union side, the, one, of the, one of the valuable assets that commanders have on the Union side are military historians who can look across the battlefield, see the battle flags of the dead that are coming across the field, and if they know the battle well enough, they can tell them how the attack's going to proceed. <laughs> That's really neat. <laughs> so... It's, it's a fascinating world. It's it's kind of an alternate history of the Civil War, or the pre-Civil War leading to the Civil War. No, we're actually deep into the Civil War, uh, and in fact, our, our hero um, is called in to uh, see President Lincoln. Um, who's at, he's actually called here by um, Pinkerton, Alan Pinkerton, who's acting as. Wow. Pinkerton actually did act as right. uh, and, uh, and and Pinkerton has an operation that he's running um, in the South, um, and he needs he needs someone who has high visibility and is easily manipulated, and that's why they bring this guy in. So yeah, we we, we visit General Sherman, who's running the air war, and uh, and we get to see the. Uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson's um, uh, Southern Knights who are riding dragons into battle. Very cool. It's just, I just love this this universe that we've built here. Great story, and uh, and, and ever so much more than we talked about tonight. <laughs> Dear comic book world builders, please go visit this man. <laughs> Yesterday. Decades ago, it's, just go. <laughs> the places that we sent, uh, sent the outline to was Dark Horse. 
Ah, of course. Of course. You can see that. Oh, Tracy, as this project and other projects continue Tracy, to move forward. Tracy, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tracy, do yourself yeah. a favor. Send it to Joss Whedon, please. Just right now. <gasps> please send it to that Joss was... Whedon. My wife met Joss Whedon. And... Are, we, are we losing <laughs> Tracy? Hang on. No. I hope I'm still here. Am I still here? Yes. Yeah, you kind are. Of, yes. Did I tell you about my wife meeting Joss Whedon? No, you didn't. Go for it. Tell us. Please do. The story. I, I, we were at Comic Con, San Diego, and we were there um, with uh, uh, when Margaret Weiss was doing the Serenity role playing game. Yes. Walking the floor, looking at you know, I was I was at the Weta booth looking at ray guns. I, I admit it. Okay, I. <laughs> I'm at the Weta booth looking at these ray guns. My wife is over where Margaret is, and Joss Whedon comes by to see the Serenity role playing game. <laughs> And so she gets her picture taken with Joss Whedon. She's shooting the breeze with Joss Whedon. You know, this is just really great. It's really great. The the entire concept of cell phone technology escaped her. <laughs> no. Oh. Like pick up the phone that Joss Whedon was in the booth. So no, everybody got to see Joss. Except for me, of course, because you know, once she saw John, the thought of her husband completely escaped her. Well, <laughs> can you blame her? No, I suppose not. I'd have probably forgotten her too. Yeah. But yeah, he'd be awesome on a project like this. He could really bring some some glorious nuance to all of that. Plus, the man can write dialogue like nobody's business. Yeah. I, I was just oh. gonna say, I'm imagining. Pinkerton, written by like th with dialogue. You want nuanced dialogue <laughs> by Joss Whedon, and in a world that you built, and it's just my mind is blown. I can't. Please, for the love of everything good, send it to him. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're so tight. I have my wife send it because they've met. And, well, yeah, and absolutely. There's, there's your. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right there. It's one degree of Joss Whedon. There you go. Joss Whedon. I think. Yeah. Oh, wait, we're all at two degrees from Joss Whedon, so you're one up on us, right? Yeah, it's definitely one up on you guys. But no, yeah, it, this we're so excited about this series. Originally, we planned when we planned this series, it was going to be, I think, a um, twelve episode um, serial that uh, that we were going to do. Um, with Amazon. Now I think we'll probably just simply do it as a book. We're about 10 chapters into it at this point. See, what I want to hear, though, is book series. Yeah. Well, book series. The, the, the first book is called Lincoln's Wizard. Um, uh, and uh, then there are two books after that that we have planned, um, both of which are hugely awesome. I just... Uh, can you write faster? <laughs> so we have to go to France because um, um, because of the development of ornithopters in the north. They need um, new engine technologies that are being developed in Europe. 
plus they have to go to Europe because uh, they have to go to France because um, France is the one who's supplying the South with dragons. Awesome. Tommy bastards. <laughs> no, they're not quite commies. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so... I know, More that was a joke! Come on! Grasp on history is making me do like a simple dog head tilt here. <laughs> it was a joke! Come on! The poorly executed joke. Go sit in the corner. Anyhow, Tracy, the bottom line is... Uh, Damn, we love your work. <laughs> yeah. Can, really quick, are, can you down. hear us salivating? Hey, that reminds I was going to ask you guys if by any chance you saw a little thing that I did over the holidays. Maybe. It was just a little tiny thing. I did a, I did a book called St. Nicholas and the Dragon. No. I'm, oh, but it sounds awesome. It sounds familiar. I may have gotten an email. You might have gotten an email. But it, yeah, it was um, uh, it was really interesting because I had uh, my wife and I came up with this idea at Thanksgiving um, here in the states, and we wanted to write this book. And so, in the period of three weeks, we wrote this book, executed on eBooks and on CreateSpace. I mean, we published it. We wrote it and published it in three weeks. Nice. Because you can do that now that there are internets. You can do that because there are interweb stuff. Exactly. There are tubes. Sometimes they get clogged, but most of the time they're reliable. Yeah. Deserves some, some examination at some point. We might want to get together sometime and talk about it. Um, is The book was, I mean, it was really a novella. It was about 20,000 words. Uh, you know, almost novelette. I mean, yeah. But on the other hand... Uh, Christmas Carol is about 29,000, so I didn't feel too badly about that. Yeah. But it was just the right length. It was a great, quick, uh, great Christmas read. The thing, the thing that was interesting to me about that on reflection is that, uh, you know, price point of the book is around four ninety-five, right? Okay. And so, but if you come online, you go to Amazon, you buy the book, you have no idea in ebook form how long it is. That's true. And so I can write a book in three weeks and charge four ninety five for it, for a short novella-sized kind of a book. Or I can spend six months and write a 150,000-word epic and charge four ninety five for it. Or you could write two words and charge four ninety five for it. And if people are willing to pay for that, I suppose it is. But, you know, the, uh, the question in terms of economics as far as career is concerned, if people have, have, so, have, have become so inured to the idea that, that an e-book has to be cheap, or that an e-book is, you know, I mean, frankly, uh, the, my publisher can barely charge, I mean, they can't really charge, either. well, they, they, they do, they're trying to charge like $13, $14. But most of the ebook reading public doesn't much care for that. They want their books on the top side to be nine ninety five. Yeah, Amazon... <laughs> no, they don't. I would I would highly argue that they want their books on the top side to be four ninety five. Well, exactly. In which case, why should I spend six months writing a, an epic book and charge four ninety five? Because there's a point at which 
volume outweighs the benefit of pricing it higher. If you price your book at fourteen ninety five and a hundred people buy it, you you make you know one hundred forty dollars, right? Right. If you price your book at four ninety five and a thousand people buy it, you could do the math there, right? Absolutely. I, but but the flip side of that is, Kriana, that if I can write seven books or eight books within six months, mm -hmm. charge four ninety five for it, and have a thousand people buy each of those, yep. as opposed to buy one title that's taken me six months to write, yep. then I need to be writing shorter books. Maybe you do. Maybe yeah. you need to make your series longer and in shorter installments. Exactly, which makes them all, which takes us almost back to the same. Because people uh, want the series, people want it to go on. If they're a fan of it and if they're selling well, why not keep it going, right? Which brings us right back again to the serial model that I've been working with for the last three years. I'm a big fan of the serial model. To be fair, I, yeah. I am a big fan of the serial model because I, like I said. To go back to the point that I was making about wanting to be notified when there's a new installment in series of books that I like, there it is, right there is the serial model. I'm not saying Amazon is doing it 100% right right now because I don't think they are, um, because I think they're just charging once for the whole thing, and they're mm -hmm. giving them a defined ending. I believe that may not be true, um, but well, I, no, is that if I if I went out, so we we're. Dan and I are working on this book. We're, we're working on Dragons of the Confederacy, right? Yeah. We all formatted it for serial format, which means that we have 12 installments, okay? Yeah. Which, which we can release every two weeks. And that means, essentially, that it's a six-month run on on the book, right? Yeah. Something I like that. Something like that. If I release, if we were to release um, one episode... Okay, which may constitute, say, you know, three to six chapters. Mm -hmm. if, if I release one episode and I charge a buck ninety nine for it, I would charge ninety nine cents for it. Okay, well, or, or charge ninety nine cents for it. Yeah. Okay. If I charge ninety nine cents for every episode that comes out, and I've got twelve episodes here, mm -hmm. and I've still got my twelve bucks. You do, but well, you have happier consumers. Here, here's what I would do. And I'm, you could take this or leave it. I would do it that way. I would charge 99 cents for an episode. And as you say, there you go. You've got your 12 bucks as long as the person follows it all the way through. That has several advantages. Number one, um, it gives you a really low mental cost of getting into your work. It's 99, it's a buck. Okay. If they don't like it, they don't have to buy the next one. If they like it, they'll continue buying it. Number two, the second phase of what I would do with that is some period of time after you release the last chapter. It could be the next day. It could be um, maybe like three months later, like one quarter later, maybe six months, probably not longer than six months. I would release the whole thing as an omnibus edition. This is the collected of these for a, a lower price, obviously. Uh, maybe like the four ninety five, so that the people who don't necessarily may be interested but don't necessarily want to follow along 
because there's a pretty good market for the the trade paperbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like a comic book, right? So people do buy the trade paperbacks. People want the collected issues in the in the one format, and I would sell that for four ninety five. And I think you could make a real decent amount of money that way, because you have the people who are gonna want it right at that point, and they will spend that ninety nine cents, and they'll know what's gonna cost them more, and that because think about it for the comic books. You know, for the comic books, you're paying what a buck ninety nine an issue, and how many issues are in a trade paperback generally? Dome, help me out here. It's usually ten to twelve issues, and by the way, uh, comic books are now three ninety nine and four ninety nine an issue. So the graphic novel is a significant discount off of just buying all of the comics. Yeah. So, so you would say maybe four ninety five would be a respectable price that you could extrapolate from the ninety nine cents. It's, yeah. it's slightly less than a paperback, right? Right. And, uh, and I mean, it's, it's electronic. You, it's costing you nothing in volume right now, basically, except for bandwidth, which is so negligible, right? It's, it's an ebook. It's costing you pennies to distribute. And then right. what I... Uh, well, the issue then becomes audience. And, that, and that's, and as, as I've been saying for some time, that it's, it's, it's no longer about being published, it's about being read. It's about being popular, exactly. And then tier three, the third section of this strategy, I think I only said there were two, but there's three now, because I just thought of a better one. Um, <laughs> if there is demand for this particular series, and only if there is demand for this particular series, do a limited run of really fantastically beautiful, and I know you can do this, Tracy, because it's Because happy, we've seen you do it in the past. A really fantastic limited print run. Mm-hmm. And those you can charge an arm and a leg for. And you That's should. Fine. And I will pay it. No, you will not. Do not bring any more books into this house, young lady. <laughs> will if I want to. <laughs> but uh, that, that, case, that it, okay, so take it, leave it, it's out there, do what you will with it, but that's how I think that you could be really super successful. And I think it was a couple of years ago, you and I had a big argument about this. <laughs> I thought I was right, and you were totally right about this, and I was wrong. So I've got to listen to you now. Thank you. She never There's gets to hear that. You made Priya. her day. You did. You probably you made my like month right now. <laughs> Not just and day. It's true because it's yeah. If you can get the volume, if you've got the audience who's going to support it, and you've got and you can get the volume. I mean, I, as I sit here right now, I, I realize I can either go ahead and I can distribute through Amazon, in which case I'm going to pay them at least 30% for the privilege of being on Amazon. Or if I can drive traffic to my own website, I can take the whole enchilada because I can go ahead and distribute from here. And it will cost you nothing. And you can get on these websites like Goodreads. You've got your Facebook page. You've got plenty of ways to reach out to people. And, you know, that's the most special thing I think I always get really super happy when certain authors Jim Butcher um, agree to be on the show <laughs> like come on like when your favorite author gets you get to talk to them it's a or for me Spider Robinson it's a really special it's a really personal thing and yeah, you know if you have a handful of fans like that they will be your biggest PR Mm-hmm. Because I can't even tell you how many people I've recommended, you know, 
the Dresden Files, I've recommended Spider's Callahan series too, and they're like, I've never heard of this guy. And I'm like, really? Well, here's Wayne of Gotham. Try it out. You know, and, and we're going to be, the public is now your biggest avenue to to PR, whereas Amazon, I kind of feel like Amazon, if you know what you're looking for, you'll do great, but if you, otherwise, it's just kind of a mess, and their recommendation... It's too big. Their recommendation engine is eh for books. I, I feel like it should be better, to be honest. And then, of course, you, you have to either edit your your browsing history and your purchase history and remove all the gifts, otherwise it gets all contaminated with stuff you bought for other people. And well, well, who was it? Spider was saying that. It's just the the algorithm doesn't seem to work well. And it, it really doesn't. And to be to be honest, like, okay, we're whoring out to Goodreads right now. They're really not giving us anything or know we exist at all. Um, no, they don't know we exist at all. <laughs> they will when I email them later on tonight and ask them to listen to this show. Um, but they their recommendation engine is really fantastic. And I have, how many books have I rated on here? If you go through and you rate just a, I, I mean, I didn't start with that many. I started with a handful. But the reviews that they generate based on those are really fantastic. All right, I have in my red shelf 121 books. Okay, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> my to-read shelf is 87. Jesus Christ. Um, that, that's a lot. And I, I don't have a lot here that I didn't like. But it, it sort of gives you gives them a really good idea of what my tastes are, and lately that's been you know urban young adult fantasy. I get a lot of it in my recommendations, and you know I tend to really like them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's almost a better place to find good readers that and people who are going to be like your biggest fans who are going to spread the word and say, hey, this is great. You know, you you get one steampunk on something. You got all the steampunk community on it. It's very um, insular, and they're very communicative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, you know, now, thanks to you, I am uh, apparently uh, going to claim my page. Great. Stand up. Plant my flag for free and start talking to these and people. And you know, Goodreads, they do really awesome partnerships with authors. They'll let you run promotions. They'll, they'll do all sorts of really great author interactions. And I think that's that's really valuable to me as a reader. I, I mean, like, we have this awesome privilege of having this podcast that people think gets listened to. And therefore, you know, we trick some authors into coming on and we get to talk to them and it's an awesome privilege but most people you know wouldn't in a million years think to do something as devious as we have and any sort of opportunity to interact with these people is just it's precious to them it's precious totally is you cannot put a price on that and well and that's why I like to be in touch with uh, try to be in touch with my audience as best I can that's why I, I know that about you, and I think Goodreads is a fantastic tool to enable you to do that. It's, it's there. I I'd be hesitant, but willing to say that there may not exist a better tool for authors to get in touch with awesome readers than Goodreads. Well, there may not be one that we know of right now. Well, that's why I said there may not exist. Yeah. Hey, while I'm thinking about this, sure. 
have you guys seen the pulpomizer? What? Here, I got to send you this link now because uh -oh. I, I just totally, I, I, I was just turning, somebody on Facebook sent this to me and it was, and, and I have had more fun with this. Here, try this. I don't know if you've seen this yet or not, but I just was turned on to it and I've had more fun with this. Oh my god. It is the pulpomizer. You you too can create your own pulp cover. Nice. For your classic pulp science fiction. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that has to go in the post. Yeah, you have got to come here. Everybody needs to come here and make their own pulp cover. That looks great. I actually have posted one. You check my Facebook, or yeah, check my Facebook page, or actually check the page for uh, Dragons of the Confederacy because we have a Facebook page for Dragons of the Confederacy. We want people actually to come and join us there at the Facebook page so that they can see this, the progress of the story as it's being developed. See, that's awesome. That is that is what people would kill to have. So I, I actually made a Dragons of the Confederacy pulp cover here this afternoon, this evening, and put it up on my on the uh, Dragons of the Confederacy Facebook page. And you've got to come and play with us and, and, and make awesome, cool... I think we need to make a Sci-Fi Saturday Night one. I think you should, absolutely. Dome, get on that as our official mascot, Dome. <laughs> Well, listen to you all dumbassery. Yeah, well. <laughs> I get all giddy when we talk to Tracy Hickman. I noticed see, that. You, you got to do this because this is way, just way more fun. Oh, Tracy, I thought of something else. The other reason to do that second step, the, the middle omnibus ebook, is because yeah. for people who are just joining you so that they can catch up without having to buy all sorts of little stuff, they could be like, all right, here, I'll catch up, and now I'll buy up to where the current season or series is. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's, it's kind of almost idea. a television model for books. So so it's like, you know, you go through season one, you do like 10, 12 episodes, and then you can buy the whole season in one. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Hey, Kriana. I'm so excited. I want every book to be like that. It'd be so cool. Kriana. Yes, dear. If you looked at the clock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got excited. We all got excited. It's been great fun. Remember when you, you said you wanted me? to do a short show? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> we just had so much fun. We couldn't help it. We did. We always have fun with you. We had, I had a blast this evening. Next time, if you don't mind getting, having me back, I'd love to come back. But next time when you have me back, we're going to talk about the game that I'm creating. A game? Uh, Yes, a board game that is a storytelling board game. I'm very excited about it. Excellent. Well, that's it. You definitely do that. We can definitely... All right. Ah, uh, so tell me there, dead redhead. Uh, dead, dead redhead. Dead redhead. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So who's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks there, Sam Prairian? Next week, um... On what is it, February 9th already? Something like that. We're going to talk to Jeff from Queen City Kamikaze Con. He's going to give us the rundown 
on how that con is going to go and what kinds of fun uh, guests and panels we can expect. Um, and then the week after that, on the 16th, we're going to have our Valentine's Day special with Ashley from Her Universe, a line of geeky clothing just for girls. And that's it for now. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is, uh, hmm. let me see, who are our sponsors? Oh, yes. The official There's podcast of... The official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, uh, Granite State Comic-Con, and Comic Art House. Hey, Bob and Kim, see him for the best in comics and comic art. Bob, happy birthday, happy my birthday, friend. Bob. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And we hope you have a wonderful birthday and go out and have a drink for us tonight. I want to thank Tracy Hickman because, you know, it's always a joy having him with us. We talk about the coolest stuff in the world. And and uh, Wayne of Gotham 2 and 3 coming up. Do not miss it. Do not miss anything that he does. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana and Grammar Girl. Thank you, ladies. Banana. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know.